Hi, this is Regeline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Greg Walker. Greg is a number one best-selling author of Dream to Grow Rich, How to Dream, Grind, Hustle, Your Way to Success, forward by Les Brown. Greg is also a highly sought-after speaker. Greg has spoken to Fortune 500 companies, to professional athletes, and Greg is known to the world as the big dreamer. Welcome to the show, Greg. Gigi, thank you. It's an honor for me to uh, be here. I, I appreciate you very much. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you here today, Greg. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you are from? Well, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Um, one of 15 children. Uh, came from a uh, not so good home, you know, drug infested, you know, prostitution, um, just uh, alcoholism, uh, abuse, ver physical, verbal abuse. Uh, it was just not a great place to be. And, you know, people used to always call me the big dreamer because I had big goals. Like I, I wanted to, I had hopes that I would graduate high school one day because no one's ever made it out of high school in my family. So uh, I did that with the help of a four foot three black woman named Miss Rivers who changed my grades in 1984 and helped me become the first person ever in my family to go past the uh, ninth grade and graduate high school. And then I met a guy who became one of my mentors who uh, helped me get into the restaurant business. I became uh, the second largest um, franchise owner in Ohio at one time in the world's largest sandwich shop. And then with me and uh, uh, my business partner, we helped open 270 taco franchises. I own ice cream franchises and became a uh, speaker age 49, even though I did not speak until age 12. And even though I did not ask my wife to marry me, 34 years ago, yes, I gave the ring to her sister and she asked for me. And now I speak around the world. I competed for the World Championship of Public Speaking in 2015, 2017, after joining Toastmasters at the age of 49 at the request of Mr. Les Brown, because he saw something in me. I never wanted to speak Gigi, never wanted to be a business coach. I just thought I was gonna own restaurants for the rest of my life. And at age 48 and 51 and 52, now I'm 55, I know that was just stepping stones to help me get to where I wanted to go. And I tell people, Gigi, sometimes you think you're going to keep going left in life, and all of a sudden you go off to the right. Don't even want to. Maybe you have a flat tire and it just takes you off to a different direction, and that's the direction you're supposed to be because now I know what my true purpose is. I know what my true purpose is. And I stay here in a wheelchair since September 28, 2017, because when you find your purpose, there's nothing that can stop you. When I was going to the World Championship Public Speaking and Toastmasters to Vancouver, Canada, as a as a type one diabetic, I don't supposed to look at my feet, but I got a sore on my foot. Doctor told me not to go. I don't believe in living life with regret. So I did because I knew what my purpose was. And I had an amputation. I just planned my 18th operation for um, the 26th of this month. I slept in a hyperbaric chamber two hours a day for almost six months. That's like, a, we, I call it a pickle jar. It looks like a big pickle jar. And if you put a Barbie doll in there, close the lid up, that's a hyperbaric chamber right there. So I tell people, when you find your purpose, you'll even lose a limb if you want it bad enough. And would I change it? People ask me, Greg, would you change it if you could go back? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, because that's the gift that God gave me. And I'm a firm believer. If you don't use your gift that God gave you, he could have gave it to anyone else, but he gave it to me. Think about it, Gigi. I beat out 38,000 people to get to where I was. Come on. I didn't speak to age 12. I didn't ask my wife to marry me 34 years. And I'm the dude who was chosen to go? No, that's all, that's all God given. So I tell people, when people say they want to become an entrepreneur or a best-selling author or whatever, I say, how bad do you want it? How bad do you really, really want it? I equate it to the father and son who walked 250 miles to Mexico in the heat to get to America. Ask them how bad they wanted it. That's how bad they wanted it. They, they walked in the desert for 250 miles. That's like from Columbus, Ohio to Cleveland. That's a long way to do it, but they wanted it bad. So that's just a little bit about my life. Amen. How bad do you want it? That's a great question for folks to ask themselves. Very powerful. Now, Greg, tell us more about your book, Dream to Grow Rich, How to Dream, Grind, Hustle, Your Way to Success, forward by Les Brown. Well, I didn't want to write a book. Um, but when I went to the world championship public speaking, everyone said, Greg, you need to turn you because I hid my story. My wife and I hid my story for 48 years because I didn't want to be judged by people, you know, in my restaurant business, you know, people, when you're in the large 
uh, world's largest fast food franchise, people will judge you. They, whether you think it or not, they will judge you. So I knew I couldn't, I couldn't talk about my family life and all the criminal activity and stuff like that. And at age 48, when I went to the world championship, people said, Greg, you got to tell that story. You got to put a book, but I didn't even read books. So I found a friend who um, helped me out with it. She helped me write my book. And, uh, you know, you heard where I came from, being the only one ever make it out of high school. The first person wrote, wrote on the back of my book was uh, Forbes magazine. I've never been in the NSA National Speakers Association, but I have Mike Frank, who was the past 10-year president, wrote some things about me. Professor Ruben Arana from Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, he wrote some things for me. So my life has just been a blessing. And I always dreamed of being rich, not rich in money. But I just wanted to have the simple things like my nieces make fun of me because she always hears, they hear the stories about how I used to have to eat ketchup and crackers. Right, because your parents, when they're not worried about the, the money, when you're, you know, my father, all his thing was was alcohol, and what type of pill he could take. He wasn't worried about buying me any food, so I had to eat ketchup and crackers most times. We used to pick worms and put them in uh, Folgers coffee cans and sell them to the Asian bait stores, so I we so I could have some money to eat something. Right, so I wanted to put food in my cabinets, and I wanted to put foods in other people's cabinets. I wanted to send kids to college. I don't have a college degree. I don't, and that's why my, my theme is dream, grind, hustle. So I always wanted to be rich as in just having food in my cabinets, right? Not having to, not having to have, you know, uh, uh, the stories my, my siblings, my older siblings that we used to have to sleep in chests of drawers, right? My, our mom would pull drawers out because when you have that many kids, you don't have that many babies. And back then, you could have a three-bedroom house and have 15 kids. You can't do that nowadays. So they'll take your kids away from you. So my book is Dream to Grow Rich and not Dream and Grow Rich because I believe you have to go out and do things. I don't believe this thing, Gigi, where people are using the word manifestation, right? Because when most people use manifesting, all they do is they're wishing is what they're doing, right? I tell people all the time, by you sitting on the couch, right, manifesting that you're going to open up that hair care salon, but, but you ain't even learn how to get your business license. Listen, God ain't coming up with a UPS. God is not sending a UPS truck or a FedEx truck. Ain't going to come to you and say, GG, listen, I know you ain't done nothing, right? I know you ain't even washed your hair for the last week, but here's your salon for you because you manifested it, right? I don't believe in that type of manifestation. I do believe in visualizing, seeing where you're going to go, but I believe when you feel it, right? As the Bible says, as a man thinketh, but I think that that's, there's work to put in there too. You know, faith without works is dead. So when people say, I'm just manifesting, I'm like, well, you, bro, you've been manifesting since 2003. It's 2020, 21. So I just always wanted to have great things. And, and actually the house I sit in now, you know, my bedroom is bigger than the house that I grew up with. And my wife and I sat in this home 20 some years ago when we had it custom built. But I didn't just sit there. I knew what I had to do. I had to open another store, right? I had to open up another restaurant, another restaurant. So I didn't just visualize it or feel it, you know, wishing. I do not believe that thoughts become things. That's a great way to sell things, right? If I had a program selling that, it'd be great. But I tell people, that's why I say you got to dream, grind, and hustle. If there's anything in life you want, that's all you got to do. Dream, grind, hustle. Have that big dream. You're going to have to get up and just grind like most people do in America and the world. And then that hustle. Not in a bad way like my brothers were at drug dealers, but hustle and what are you doing on your lunch break? What are you doing after your nine to five job? What are you doing between five and two a.m.? What are you doing on the weekends to work on your business? One of my, one of my friends while I was speaking, he says, Greg, you know, I can't do with that kind of stuff. I said, why? He's my kids play soccer, man. I'm a single dad. I said, okay, what are you doing watching kids soccer? Watching them play. Okay, I see that thousand dollar iPad you got right there. Why can't you work it? That's the hustle. Why can't you work on your dream like that? When you're up at my house eating hot dogs on Memorial Day, why can't you talk to me about business? Why can't you get the iPad? I'll say, Greg, let's work on something. So that's where that manifestation stuff just, you got to put in that work. And that's all I ever did was dream big like Walt Disney. I knew I could grind. I knew I could work hard. And I knew I could hustle. I knew I could go knock on doors, pick up, pick up the phone and call people. So my book is not really about money. It's about relationships. You know, building relationships with someone like you. That's how I got ahead in life. You know, Dave Thomas was one of my first mentors when I called him a fool and a loser in middle school because my teacher, Miss Rivers, who's my angel, who looks like you, but four foot three, four foot four, right? She brought him into our class. And, you know, we always had people come in our class and teach us how we could become successful. My wife and I went to all black school, probably about 80% all black. 
And he looked at me and I didn't know who he was. And he said, young man, am I saying something? Because I was, a, I'm, a, I'm a big kid now. I'm six foot two, 270 pounds. I was probably six foot two, maybe 197 pounds back in the high school in the 80s. And I looked at him, I said, nah, we're just tired of you white people coming here and telling us kids that we can be successful, right? My buddy Charlie still talks about this day. He says, tells people, I remember when I looked over Greg and said, Greg, you do know that you're the only white dude in this class, right? So that dude became uh, Dave Thomas of Wendy's. And he told me the whole story. And Gigi, this is what I tell people. This is about my, what my book is about. Opportunities come to each and every one of us. Each and every one of I'm a firm believer. I believe opportunities came to my brothers and sisters. They just didn't grab it. Because there was 30 kids, I think, in that class that time. Mr. Thomas said, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna send someone from my organization every month, one Saturday, and we're gonna teach you kids how to become successful. 30, three of us showed up. And listen, I talk about it in my book. I did not go there once, one Saturday a month to learn about Dave Thomas or Wendy's. Even though Wendy's was started right on the corner from where we went to school at, elementary, I mean, junior high, I didn't want that. I didn't care about that. I can talk about it honestly now. I went there because when you have 14 siblings, I went there because they brought free Wendy's. They brought free Wendy's, and I was looking forward to that Saturday. So three out of 30 showed up. Well, I still hear people to this day, they tell their grandkids, ask Mr. Walker, I could have been in that class with Mr. Thomas. I could have. So I became a restaurateur, New York Times bestselling author. Um, now I'm a coach of people like Jim Clemens, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant's coach. Uh, um, coach. Uh, my friend, uh, Laquita, she had two kids in high school. She was there. She was there with me. She owns six dental practices now. Six dental practices. My buddy Keith, who I played football with, he was the third one that showed up with us that every Saturday on, on every month. He owns a huge law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's something. Three out of 30 shows up for the opportunity, and we take advantage of it and look at us. Three out of 30. So that's what my book is about, is just taking that opportunity and just running with it, using it, using those connections, right? Because most people don't understand it's your connections that's really going to make you. It is your connections, people who you meet right now. I don't know who you know. You might know someone says, Greg, I, uh, my uncle, my, my cousin, my next door neighbor needs a, a, a consultant. They want to open up uh, some uh, Kentucky Fried Chickens or some Pizza Huts, right? Now you can say, Greg, can you consult this person? Absolutely. So I tell people the more hands you can shake, the more money you can make. That's it. Or maybe now, no more fist bumps you can give because we can't talk, right? <laughs> That's what my book is about. It's about overcoming any obstacle. It's about knowing that it doesn't matter what your, your daddy did or what he didn't do or your mama didn't do. It's a matter of what this is doing. What are you going to do? So many people in America, they whine, whine. They say, why me, why me, why me? No, no. I, I believe God gave me my trials and error because of me. I believe he knew I could hold, I handle it more than maybe someone else in my family. Maybe someone who's shooting up heroin, maybe they couldn't. Maybe that would just take them over the top and take that dose and just kill them, right? So I'm not, I don't complain when things happen to me. I just say, what is this teaching me? What is my, what is my overcoming all the drug abuse and stuff taught me? What is my amputation taught me? What is these 17 operations? What have they taught me? Well, I've helped more people with diabetes since September 28th when I had my first amputation. I've helped so many people who are in denial, right? When I see a guy that's 30 some years old and he probably has a waist like a, um, a, a, a model, you know, one of those white models that have the waist like that big, but his legs are black. He's a white guy and his legs are black. I know he's about ready to lose his legs. When I can step up and say, hey, young man, listen, I'm a type one diabetic and amputation. Can we talk please? Right, I get a phone call from his wife and says, Greg, thank you very much. My husband's in the hospital, they got him on IVs. You're exactly right. He's only gonna lose one of his legs below his calf. They're gonna save the other one. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy when I get these adversities coming at me because I always ask God, what is it going to teach me? How can I help someone else through my trials, right? That's why I believe we're here not to be blessed because we're all blessed if we woke up, especially if you woke up in America. I believe we're here to be a blessing to someone. I believe, and I tell people all the time, and they say, Greg, I don't want to tell my story. I said, then you're being selfish. My story is not for me. My story is for someone else who may need it. And I tell people this, I, I have my own impact speaking academy here in Columbus, Ohio. And I tell them, our mess became our message. And to someone out in the world, our message is their story. 
I mean, there, our message is their medicine. Someone needs to hear right now that someone had the amputation, right? Someone needs to hear that, that someone came from a drug infested prostitution home, a criminal home, and they made it, right? So that's, that's what my book's about. That's what my life's about. This is pouring into other people. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I'm a type 1 diabetic, age 55. Type 1 diabetics don't live as, as long. Uh, the average man lives to be 74. If you have an amputation, your life is cut short by almost 15%. I'm 55, right? Had an amputation. I make every day count. That is truly inspiring, Greg. Now, let's backtrack here a little bit. You refused to drop out of high school. Walk us through the moment that you made that decision, because it's a decision that you made. You could have chosen a different route, but you said, I'm not dropping out. Walk us through that moment. Well, it was actually my first day of high school, and I was going in, and you know, I played football, and all my friends were packing on the back saying, dog, you're going to make it. Dog, you're going to make it. It's going to be you. Right? And I was, I was kind of happy. I didn't smile most of my life. Um, and I'm sitting there, and I'm starting to believe them. And I remember the kid right now, his name is Bobby McAllister. Principal said, man, he says, Greg Walker, principal wants to see you. I go down there. He's a Mr. Walker. He says, uh, I heard another Walker kid was coming to my school. You do know that your 12 siblings before you dropped out of ninth grade. You're number 13. What makes you think that you're not going to drop out? So he threw some papers down. I said, what's that? My parents not do anything for my school. And they said, no, those are the papers that your siblings signed. And I'm pretty sure, young man, you're going to sign those too. He says, so go back to class and I'll be waiting here with these papers. I left there. I was crying. I'm a big guy. I was pushing people into lockers. People asked what was going on. I'm leaving the front doors of my high school. And I, I just hated, I just hated life. I was believing that, you know, education wasn't from my family. And I walk out, someone grabs me from behind. And I, I tell them the truth. I just turned around. I just wanted to knock their damn teeth off. That's what I wanted to do. But it was my seventh and eighth grade teacher, Miss Renee Rivers. Miss Renee Rivers. And she looked at me and said, Boy, why are you crying? I said, What are you doing here? She said, Now I'm going to be your high school teacher. So I told her what happened. She pulled my arm down on my elbow. Now, Shaquille O'Neal, I don't even think was born then. He might have been. But it was like Shaquille O'Neal grabbed my arm. She pulled me down to the office, told me to set my big butt down. She went in the principal's office. And I tell people, Gigi, when she slammed that door, I never heard this lady ever raise her voice. When she slammed that principal's door, I never realized that a four foot something Christian woman could curse and scream as loud as she did. But she did that for me. She did that for me. So we had a long talk and she told me that I'm not, I'm not who people say I am. I'm not my family, right? I'm, I'm a different breed from my family. And uh, she said, Gregor, if I have to walk you through this high school for four years, you will become the first person ever. So a month before high school, her and another teacher, uh, Miss Kozell, um, they pulled me in office. I thought I was in trouble. They told me to close the door. I closed. I thought, what's going on here? And they said, Greg, we're going to tell you something. We do not want you to speak about and we trust you won't. And I said, what's going on? They said, well, we see, Greg, I saw why you speak it and looking out the windows of my seventh and eighth class. She was always looking out the window, right? I, I read about your family in the paper here. My teacher, Ms. Kozell, says, Gregory, we know why you're looking out the window these last four years. We understand what you're doing. You are dreaming, fantasizing how you could make it out of your family life. And I was. I didn't admit it then, but I was. So I said, I don't understand why am I here? Ms. Rivers looked at me and says, Gregory, you are not going to graduate. I got up. I was angry. I was about ready to throw a chair across the room. She says, set your butt down, boy. And Ms. Kozell, who was a quiet woman, grabbed my arm and said, Greg, please sit down. I said, I don't understand why I'm here. Miss Rivers says, Gregory, me and Miss Kozell, we're going to do something that we're not supposed to do. We see something new that you do not see in yourself. I said, I don't get it, Miss Rivers. She said, you have a 1.9 grade point average. You need a 2.0 to walk across this stage. So in 1984, they, those two women changed my grades so I could be the first person ever to walk across that stage. And then when I walked across the stage, now, we, I graduated 447 out of 447. There's probably 3,000 people at our Veterans Memorial here where they have their Arnold Classic, Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic Act. You know who showed up for me? Who? Zero. 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 My, my, my wife, because I went to school with her, her sister, her mom and dad, and my teachers and their families and my friends and their family. That's it. And that's why I tell people, 
you don't have to have families. To me, family is not is not blood. It's not family. I have so much family that that I didn't even grow up with, but they're my family. So you know, I just I went across that stage and when the principal said something to me. I walked off the stage and my teacher, Miss River, says, "What did he say to you, boy?" She said, "I will go up in front of all these people, Gregory, and I would give him a piece of my mind." I said, "Miss Rivers, no, please don't." She said, "What did he say to you, Gregory?" I said, "Miss Rivers, when he shook my hand and gave him my diploma." He told me, Mr. Walker, I was wrong about you. He said, I was terribly wrong about you. You go show the world that you are not your family. And I did. I did. And that, that's how I overcame my family life. And then I started meeting more people. I went, I went one year to the University of Florida. I saw this thing called Subway. I did not like college. I'm not a smart person, but I, I know how to do some things right, like connecting with people. I know I can work hard. And... Um, so I met this guy and basically after eight months working for him, he fired me, him and his wife, but they fired me. Now, let me go back a little bit, Gigi. I worked at a company here called Donato's Pizza, who McDonald's, it's a huge company here. In 1982, I was working there. I was probably 16 years old. And the, the manager, I mentioned his name, his name was Frank. And they used to always go out in the back and they'd get high and drink, but they'd leave the big dumb jock right inside making pizza. So they all came in one day and they're like laughing and stuff and kidding around with me. And I go into Frank's office and I said, Frank, can you show me what a manager does at a pizza shop? And he looked at me, Gigi, and he says, Greg, it'd be a cold day in hell when anyone in your family becomes a manager. And he said, especially you. He says, so get your big butt back and go to work. Gigi, I took the trash out and I cried. I cried. But listen, sometimes your haters can be right. Sometimes your haters can be right because to this day, Till this day, Frank told me I'd never be a manager. Till this day, I've never became assistant manager manager. Because when my boss, Clarence Johnson, when he fired me, he fired me because he wanted me to take the next step, which was to be an owner myself. Because he saw how hard I got in there, right? The grind and the hustle. He said, young man, if you can get in here and work seven days a week for you, you will never have to worry about buying diapers for that little baby girl. I didn't believe him. He said, I will surpass him. I did not believe him. I got in there, I was the first person to stop smoking in Ohio in a restaurant. My whole crew left me. They laughed at me and said, how, how are you gonna have a restaurant non-smoking? They called me a fool and a loser. Look how we are. Look how we are in 2021. You can't smoke anywhere inside of a, in, inside of a building or restaurant in Ohio. I went to every church, I met every pastor, every teacher, every principal, and that's the hustle. That's the hustle. Now I became the second largest Subway franchise uh, in the 90s. You know, and to help my, my business partner, I was up open 270 taco franchises. So that's why I say dream, grind, hustle, right? And some people, some of the older people get the hustle wrong. They think it's the drug dealer. It's not. The hustle is just going beyond. Like I said, going, what are you doing? Your nine to five pays your bills. You're five to faint, 5 p.m. till you faint. That's building your legacy. That's your purpose right there. So that's what my book is about, is how to overcome obstacles, how to stand tall, get back up when you when you get knocked down. As Les Brown says, if you get knocked down, hope that you get knocked on your back because if you can look up, then you can get up. Very powerful. Now, Greg, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership means to me is there's different types of leadership. You know, there's the one where a lot of my friends are bosses and they say, Gigi, you better do that now or you're going to lose your job. I don't like that leadership. Leadership to me is where you and I work so well together. I'm doing something. You say, Greg. I think I can, I think I can do that. Go ahead and take off. I can do that. That's leadership. When you want to do things for me, not because I make you do it. That's true. Leadership is actually going into, if, if I go to one of my businesses that we don't work our businesses, but if I go and I see someone to have, you know, busy with customers, I'll get the mop. I'll, I'll wipe the tables down. Right. So they see me doing it and they're like, wow, Mr. Walker actually does some work there. Not often, but I want them to see that I'm just like them. I'm no different than them. And that's true leadership is when you don't have that ego, right? I'm better than you. I signed the checks. You're going to do what I say. Leadership is building other leaders. I tell my employees, if you don't go to college, if you don't go to trade school you or something, you if you ain't got no plan, I don't want you working for me. I don't want you to be 40 years old and just be a sandwich artist because you're not growing. And if you're not growing, that means I haven't taught you anything, right? So I actually let people go if they just, just want to hang out and work and you know, just get drunk or high with all their buddies. I want someone who wants to grow. I'm not one of those business owners who want people to stay with me forever. I want them to grow their wings. 
I want them to go do what they want to do because I get a high, GD. At 55, I've never touched alcohol in my life. I've never touched anything bad other than pizza in my life, right? <laughs> but I get a high when I help someone. I get a high. When I, when I see one of my, my young empl- employees, LaToya, who at age 24, she graduated from college, her parents called me and says, hey, Greg, LaToya has this crazy idea and she came to us and asked her mother and I if we would mortgage our house to get this business. I said, what business? Great. Can you believe this? Tell us, tell her, tell us she's wrong, right? I said, what? She wants to open a Popeye's chicken. Can you believe that? Our daughter thinks she can. I said, you're absolutely right. She cannot own a Popeye's chicken. He was talking to her, Dorothy, Dorothy, I told you, man, well, I was going to mortgage my house. I said, Mr. Jackson, LaToya can't own one. She can own 50 of them. He said, what? I said, your daughter is years ahead of me. She is years ahead of me in, in looks and in intelligence, right? And everything in height. I got a picture on my Instagram where she owns eight Popeye's chicken to this day. She paid her mom and dad back. She paid her mom and dad's mortgage off. And now she bought them a summer vacation home. So see, my life is not about just people working. My life is seeing something in Gigi and saying, listen, I'm going to call you. I'm going to kick your butt and say, why, why aren't you doing this? Right? Because when Mr. Les Brown calls me and tells me, Gregory, you messing up. What do you mean messing up? I ain't seen you enough out there in the world. Well, I'm not big like you. Well, now 26 countries later, 43 states, now I know what he's talking about. I was afraid to get out there and do videos, Facebook Lives, Instagram Lives. Now I'm not because I just started, right? So, yes, I love seeing things in other people and building them up. And to me, that's true leadership is not wanting everything for yourself to be able to stand behind the people. When I go in my stores, my employees laugh at me because someone will say, are you the owner? I'm like, nope, I work for them. And they'll look at young kids and they'll just smile and they'll say, no, he's the owner. And I'm like, no, I work for them because truly I do. Because when you're not in your business, who's running the business? The people working there. Now, yes, we take care of the bills and learn how to make a profit, but they are running the business. So I tell people I work not really for them, but I work with them. I don't have employees. I have partners. And I offer all my employees, if they work me seven years, I'll be their bank. I'll bankroll them a business. That is absolutely that's, amazing. That, that's leadership. In my opinion, that's leadership. Very powerful. I love it. Now, Greg, tell us more about a time in your life where you experienced an aha moment. Aha moment when I first went to the world championship public speaking. You know, I kept, I was in Toastmasters for five months when I went to the first one. And people kept asking me when I'd go and win these trophies, they said, what are you doing here, Greg? Are you volunteering? I'm like, no. Are you just watching? I said, no, what are you doing here? I said, I'm competing. Everyone kept asking me that. Well, I asked the oldest Toastmaster in Ohio, who's in my club, it's the oldest Toastmaster club in Ohio, Charlie Ashley. I said, Charlie, why do people keep asking me about volunteering or whatever? He said, young man, you like to do everything fast. And you're going, you're going to get to the world championship and you've only been Toastmasters five months. So you have to, this is why I planned it. When I found out about the world championship, you have to do 10 speeches, right? We meet every Tuesday. So that's two times a month. So it's two times five. That's 10 speeches, right? Now I know I could have got my speeches done in two weeks because I could have went to different clubs seven days a week and did one of my speeches. Body language, know your audience, vocal variety, right? Researcher topic. So now I tell people, if you want to go to a world championship and you just got it late, you can do it in two weeks. So I didn't know that most people go a year, two years. Uh, I was the first person in my club and it's the oldest club, 50, almost 60 years old. I'm the first person to do it. So I just, I believe in doing stuff. So I kept winning. So I got all these big giant brass trophies and glass trophies in my closet because um, they're just trophies. So that's why they're in there with my clothes. Well, I brought one home one day and I was very angry, Gigi. I was very angry. And I slammed it down on my granite table. My wife and my daughter looked at me and they said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm tired of these people feeling bad for me and letting me win, letting me win these trophies. I'm not no speaker. I've only been here five. These people have been there for 20 years. Who, who do they think I am trying to baby me up tired, trying to butter up to me? My daughter looked at me and says, Daddy, maybe you are doing something good. Maybe you are. So this was my big aha moment, right? I'm a type 1 diabetic. Gigi, I got the flu. Type 1 diabetics cannot get the flu. It was bad. So I'm going up to uh, give this speech that could possibly send me there. And I'm feeling so bad, I'm sweating. So someone who I love very dearly, 
Her name is Maria Jordan Scott. Just tall, six thinks he's six foot, six foot one, beautiful, beautiful black woman who was my Mrs. Rivers and Toastmasters. Always smiling, telling me, Gregory, you are a speaker. You are. So she came to every competition and I will always look for her smile in the audience, right? She sat beside me. I said, Maria, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. So another guy, Harold Thomas, who graduated from Harvard and Georgetown, I said, Harold, I'm not gonna do this. And he said, Why? I said, I'm sick, I can't do this. And um, I went up and uh, gave my speech, came back and I said, okay, I'm leaving. Maria says, no, you're not. You're staying right here. I said, Maria, I, I don't have a chance. Those other 14 people, I don't have a chance. Look, I'm sweating. I just went through my speech, told my story. And they called once, they called three, they called two. And I said, Maria, I got to go. She says, yes, you do got to go. You got to get up there and give your trophy so you can go to Las Vegas for the world championship. So I did it with 101 degree temperature. I had flu, I was throwing up the whole time. I just couldn't take it. So people remember, remember me now, GG, not right? They remember me now because they're like, because when I get, got my trophy, you know what I did? I threw what up all it? over the place. I threw up all, so now people's like, I know you. I'm like, what the big dreamer is like, no, you're the dude who threw up after you got your trophy. <laughs> <laughs> so when I went to the world championship, that was my aha moment. When I went for the second time, because the first time I went, I thought I had to conform because I, I, I wasn't a person before I joined them to ask questions. Like I wouldn't say, hey, Gigi, can I wear my hat? I don't like to wear suits. I, I thought I had to do what they told me, wear suits, no hats. And um, so I did that. And my best friend, T. Wayne Gatewood, who, excuse me, I have to tell people because this man was one of the biggest influences in my life. I want everyone to look up T. Wayne Gatewood, the builder. I tell people, when you look at a dictionary as a black man, you'll see my big brother, T. Wayne Gatewood. This man gave up a lot and reinvented himself, called the builder or bib overalls with a uh, um, uh, orange shirt. He went to University of West Virginia, played football. He was the builder of young men, mainly young black men. He never wanted to see a black, young black man or a poor white kid go to prison. Right, not be uneducated. So he devoted, devoted his life for 11 years when he got cancer. Gigi, this is when I tell you, you have a true friend and a true brother sister. When, when T. Wayne was dying, he called me at four o'clock in the morning. My wife answered the phone. She says, T. Wayne. I said, oh my gosh, what's wrong? He gets on the phone and said, brother, you okay? This is what he said to me. A man who's dying, right, of cancer. He said, man, I'm pissed at you. You're mad at me? He said, yeah, Greg, I'm pissed at you. He said, I saw you standing up there with that suit on and you didn't have no hat. He said, man, how are you going to let Toastmasters make you conform? And I have to tell people, T. Wayne Gatewood was not anti-Toastmasters. He started eight clubs himself. But he always wanted me to be me because of what I came through in my life. So he was supposed to come see me. He died a couple weeks before I went to Las Vegas. 2016, I was already getting paid with less than other people. 2017, I told my wife, something just hit me, GG. Something hit me. I said, Jan, she's yet. I said, I'm going back. She said, where are you going back? I said, the world championship. It's in Vancouver this year. She said, Greg, you do know less than those other people said you beat out 38,000 people to get there. I said, baby, you don't believe in me? You don't? She said, I believed in you all my life, but I want to know, are you willing to put in the work? Because I have, I've cut out to like three stooges. When I go to the grocery store, I practice on the cart boy, the cart girl. I'm always practicing. People think I'm being nice. I still do it to this day. What did I say to you when you came on? So what's up, rock star? You did. That's my that's my way of practicing to come out. People think I'm overly confident. I'm really an introvert. I'm a huge introvert. Think about it. I asked my wife to marry me 34 years ago. She used to order my food for me. So everyone told knew what I was going to do. I was wearing my hat that says the big dreamer that's on the front of my book. People told me for four months before I was gone, Greg, do not wear that hat. Do not wear those black and red shoes. Now I wore a black suit with a red tie. It's, it's the picture of me on my on front cover of my book. I did it because Les asked me to wear a black suit and a red tie for power. So my big dreamer hat is, it says TBD, it's black and red. My Nike shoes are black and red and it all matched. They told me for four months. And when I got to the districts to where if I won this, I'm going to Vancouver. People told me up until five minutes before, Greg, you're messing up. We know you could go. They will not send you wearing that hat and those, those tennis shoes. And this is what I say. How do we know what will work if we never try? How will we know? And I'm honest. What did I tell you before, Gigi? I'm trying to start my podcast. 
right? I'm, I got I got some of the biggest names in the world that people would die to have on. What did I tell you, Gigi? Did I start it yet? Not no. yet, but you are going to. Yes. So I said, why not just go? No one ever tried it before. They said I, they would never send me. My niece is in the room. They were there. My wife couldn't come. My buddy Mark Menard came. His, his kids came. I got standing ovation with my ball cap. And the two guys I beat were two guys who I always wanted to be like in speakers. They've been to the world championship multiple times. I beat them. Isn't that funny? The two guys I idolized are number three and two, and I'm number one. So that was my aha moment that, you know what? I'm, I'm walking in the direction that God gave me at age 48 years old because I knew how could it be? And, and Gigi, this is, the this is the real way. There's two ways I knew this was made for me, two ways. And uh, uh, Toastmasters, people I trust, and Les told me to do this. When I first went, I hate being late for anything. I hate it. So I go to my, my wife begged me to go to Toastmasters. I go there. I knew everyone was going to wear suits. So I believe we all have a devil and an angel on our shoulders. The devil is saying do the bad things. The angel is saying, no, Greg, that's not the right thing to do. So I get there. It's hot. I only have like 10 minutes to go. I told my wife, I said, Jan, this isn't for me. These are going to be people because a little devil guy saying, Greg, you go in there. They're going to laugh at you, call you Dumbo, call you stupid. You might stutter. They're going to blah, blah, blah. Right? And the little angel guy kept saying, Greg, just try it. What's it going to hurt? So I said, Jan, this ain't for me. She said, yes, it is. You ask someone. I said, I'm not going to ask anyone. So I saw the first guy uh, pull up in front of me. I said, okay, I'll ask this guy. He looked like Barack Obama, but 100 pounds heavier. Brown suit on, briefcase. Right? I'm not going because I know that's what my mind, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm not going, Jan. That dude right there looks like Barack Obama in a brown suit. Read. I'm not, this ain't for me. She said, Greg, please ask someone else. I see a lady get, a, get out of her car. She's got her dressed. The little devil guy says, I'm telling you, going to call you a fool. Going to call you stupid. Going to call you the big dream you going with that lady. So finally I said, that's it, Jan. I'm not going. This place is not for me whatsoever. And I only have like five minutes to go. She's begging me. I said, I'm not going to do it. She says, dear, if you won't do it for you, Will you do it for me? Now, my wife is my life. I don't even call my wife. You know, my, our daughter hates that I call her my girlfriend for life because I don't have a wife. Yes, we have rings. We did the thing with the, the preacher, but I have a girlfriend for life. I would do anything. And I told her, I said, you had to go there. She said, yes, I had to go there. Well, my wife wants something, Gigi. I don't even question her. If she wanted me to go by the Eiffel Tower, I would make a deal with whoever owns. I'd go to Italy. I'd go to Paris and say, I want to make a deal in this Eiffel Tower. That's how much I love my girlfriend for life. So I get there. I'm waiting. I have like five minutes to go. I told Janice, I'm not going. She says, do it for me. I said, there's no one here, Janice. All, everyone's inside. So I see this rickety car pulling up, right? The little devil guy says, oh, Greg, I think this is your, this is your turkey. He pulls up right beside me, right? I see him get out. He's a bald guy. He's got a patch on one eye. And at the time, I was wearing uh, Tommy Bahama button-up Hawaiian shirt, silk shirts, my um, flip-flops and stuff. He gets out of the car. He has a Hawaiian shirt, right, buttoned up. He has khaki shorts on, flip-flops, and that big mustard stain. I can see the little devil guy says, go ahead, Greg. You're going to go right back home. This dude ain't going right. I get out. I told my wife, so okay, hold on a second. I'm going to be right back. I said, excuse me, sir. Can you tell me what this thing called Toastmasters is? Remember the guy I told you, Charlie Ashley, the oldest Toastmaster? He turned around and said, yes, I can. I'm Charlie a Ashley. I'm the oldest Toastmaster in Ohio. Follow me this way. So Gigi, my, my best childhood friend, other, uh, uh, his name is Charlie Kane. He said, Greg, I told you your arms are too short to box the God because it, this is what happened. When I got out, I'm talking to my wife. I said, okay, God, you want me to go to this thing called Toastmasters to speak? You let this fool be able to tell me where Toastmasters is, right? Because I judged him. He was in suit. When he told me who he was and told me to follow him, I'm walking behind him. I told my wife, I said, I got to go. Hung up. And I go, really, God? This is the dude? This is the dude that's leading me to the promised land? This dude here? So that was, that was one of my big aha moments right there. And then when I went to the second world championship wearing my ball cap and my shoes, that was really big because now – all these Toastmasters can go how they want to be. And Gigi, I tell people this all the time. Anyone who's listening to this, never let qualified people qualify you. 
Because all the people that was bugging me for four months that told me not to wear the hat and the shoes, they never tried to go to the world championship. When I reached out to the four world champions that gave me the number I reached out, you know what they all told me at a blink of an eye, Gigi? They told me, wear the hat, wear the shoes. One of them even said, Greg, if, if, you, if you wanted to wear a diaper and that was part of your story, your speech, then wear the diaper. So it really is true. I tell everyone, never let unqualified people qualify you. If you want to take swimming lessons and that person never swam before, why would you listen to them? Why? So those are my aha moments right there. Very powerful. Now, Greg, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? You know, people ask me how I'm doing every day and I tell them it's not a cliche. I woke up today. And think about this. When I had my first Impact Speaker Academy, I was so nervous because I'm not a teacher. I'm not. Les told me to have it. He says, Greg, you make a lot of impact. Call it Impact Speaker. I just wanted one person there. Just one. I had 29 people. The second one, we had 34 people. I'm not a teacher, Gigi. Les just said, Greg, young man, go and tell people how you went to the first, the second world championship and how you started getting paid. What you did, the phone calls you made. So I did it. I did it. Now we're going to have our third one, this thing called COVID hit, right? So I tell people how to wake up and be happy every day. And this is what Les told me, young man, you don't want to, you don't want to have that speaking academy. You don't want to write that book. You don't want to start your podcast. Think about this, Greg. There's people out there less qualified than you that are living your dream. And I believe that because I can't hold a candle to most of these postmasters that I was around, but I went for it. I can't hold a candle to people who wrote books in this country or this world, but I wrote a number one best-selling book, right? So always understand that you have something. You have something in your life. You have something, there's only one Gigi. Well, two, because my wife is a Gigi also. Um, <laughs> but there's something, there's only one big dreamer, right? So many people try to be someone else. I can only do what I do. I do what I do best, right? I'm not trying to be Les Brown. I'm not trying to be Tony Robbins. I am me. I have terrible grammar, right? But people still pay me, right? 10,000, 15, 35,000 to speak because it's me. And Les taught me this, young man, no one's coming to hear you speak because they like to see your big nose. No one's going to buy anything off of you because they like your big dreamer hat. They're buying off of you because it's you. They like you. So when I tell people, you can be, you can have the greatest product in the world, but if people think you suck, if people think you're a shyster, a scammer, they're not going to buy off of you. So I tell people, when you can find your purpose, there's something. I hate Jesus when someone says, I don't have a dream, Greg. I don't have a purpose. I believe that autistic boy or girl has a gift. I believe that. I believe that mentally challenged adult has a gift, but someone has to tell them and they have to realize that, that gift. I didn't believe I had a gift at all. I didn't. And now I thought my whole life was owning restaurants. Now I know that's not. It's coaching people. It's impacting people. It's speaking people to teach them how to get over the hump, right? And climb the mountain the whole, and put that flag on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro or Mount Everest. That's my life now. And when you can wake up in gratitude, Every day, I'm looking at my bed here. I'm looking at my couch right here. Every day I get up, Gigi, I thank God for my legs are almost healed up after three years and have my 18th surgery. I would not stand up until I thank God for healing my feet. My wife has to wrap my legs every day. This is called a pick line. Uh, where is this at? This, this, is, this, is an, this shoots antibiotics up to my heart. My wife changes that every single night for almost three years. But I can't get down on myself, right? Because I can see someone who just had their arm amputated, someone who just had a, a, an, a heart attack. So you have to use gratitude. And when you use gratitude, every day you wake up and have gratitude for what your day went like, even if it went bad. Listen, Gigi, I lost my wallet today. I told you I lost my wallet, right? My transmission went out on one of my cars today. But I didn't have a bad day. I had a couple of bad things that happened to me. And when you can use that, when you can use perspective, I mean, think about it. I lost my wallet with all my credit cards. And one of those credit cards is a black card. If anyone knows what a black card is, that's not a regular credit card, right? You can't cut that up. And then I had my transmission went out on, on one of my vans and I had to have that towed. But that's still not a bad day because I've been going through these things for almost three years. And when you use perspective, when you use perspective, when you walk in your purpose, you know that there's nothing that can stop you. 
there is nothing. But you have to believe. I can believe in you, but until you believe in yourself, and sometimes you have to believe in me, my belief in you, because that's what I had to do. I had to believe in Charlie Ashley, Maria Jordan Scott, Les Brown, my wife, her parents. I had to believe in other people. And I'm still trying to believe. I'm, tr- I'm trying to believe in your belief in me that I can start my podcast. I got all my equipment. I got the top-notch equipment that people want. But I'm worried I can speak in front of 20, 25, 30,000 people in an instant. But I can't start my podcast. Right? But I know I'm going to start it with the help of friends like you and, and get it started. And, and, you know, we'll share guests and do that because I'm, I'm a firm believer in that and not just keeping everything in. So when you can walk in your purpose – you wake up every day and you go to bed with gratitude. So when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus, because my van wasn't going to be towed because I let my tag expired, right? The guy said, you cannot tow a vehicle in Ohio without with an expired tag. I'm like, man, am I just lost my wallet, my credit cards. You know what he said, Gigi? He said, I'm going to tow it for you anyways. Right? That was a good thing. That was that was a great thing. Something else great happened. So when I go to bed, I'm not going to dwell on, I man, I can't believe I lost my cards, I lost this, my driver's license. No, I'm thinking all the good things that happened. See, in America, we like to focus on the bad. We like to focus on the negative things. The, the truly successful people, they can find beauty in a, in a garden of weeds. And that's me. People say, are you a Pollyanna? Absolutely. I try to see the goodness in everything. I try to see the goodness in everything I see, even in, in bad things. I try to see some type of goodness. What can come out of this that can help someone in the long run? So I, I'm just I'm just living gratitude because, Gigi, I live in gratitude every second because I know I could get that phone call from my son-in-law, Greg, Amanda, Atlas, Jan, right? I know I can get that that call. So I live in gratitude every second of my life, even when I lose all my credit cards. It's it's not a big deal in the world because someone right now is losing their life. So that's how I tell people you can walk in your purpose is when you find your purpose, don't stop. You know, my book, I, I, I write, I say, when you find yourself teaching and when you find yourself walking towards your purpose, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Take, put your foot on the gas. Do not let off. See, that's why most people fail, Gigi, because they have their foot on the gas, right? They find out they had a purpose and a gift and they ease off that gas. And they start getting comfortable. They start coasting. So now they stop reading. They stop listening to personal development. They stop learning. They stop growing. And I truly believe when people are growing, that's when they're happiest. When you come back from a meeting and, and you you learn something you haven't learned, you come out of there, you're all pumped up. So when people get comfortable and they relax, they take that foot off the gas. They start coasting. So when you find your purpose, you got to walk. You got to run. You got to run. And Pete, my wife would tell you, she hates going in stores with me because I talk. When I hear someone say they can't do something, and can I tell you a quick little story real quick, uh, yes. Gigi? We were at our condo in Myrtle Beach, went to a Walmart store. And there was this heavyset uh, black girl in the DVDs. I was getting a DVD for my niece. And I said, how are you doing, young lady? She looked all at me mean. She said, why you want to know how I'm doing? I said, I'm just, how are you doing? I just want to greet you. Hopefully have you a good day. She's I ain't have no good day because Walmart got me stuck here. So I look at my wife and my nieces and my daughter, and they say, Dad, honey, uncle, we're going shopping. And the girl said, ah, they leaving you. I said, they're, they're, they're leaving me because they know what I'm going to say to you. And I said, why, why are you so angry? She said, why does it matter to you? I said, it does matter to me. Why are you so angry? She said, because Walmart got me effing stuck here. I said, ha, ha, ha. Walmart got you effing stuck in here. I said, can I look at your ankles, please? She said, why do you want to look at my ankles? That's weird. I said, I just want to see your feet, please. She says, I guess, but that's weird, man. I said, you know what? I don't see any glue, any tacks. I don't see any shackles on your feet. You can walk out of Walmart anytime you want. You can. So then she said, no, they no, they can't because they got me stuck here because they pay me $14 an hour. I said, you are still not stuck. You're stuck up here. You're stuck up here. So I said, young lady, what would you love to do in your dream? What, what would you love to do if you could not fail and money was not an issue? She said, well, I'd like to be a hairstylist. I started laughing. She said, she actually said, wait, boy, what are you laughing for? I said, because I thought you was going to say you want to become a doctor within six months. 
I said, you want to be a hairstylist? I said, you know, there's people here in, in Myrtle Beach that will help you become a hairstylist. You know, there's people I can call all around the country who will guide you to get you on that. You know how easy that is? She says, no. I said, I'm going to tell you how easy it is. I called one of my friends. Asked her if she could have. Oh, great. That's easy. Have her get in touch with me. I know someone in Myrtle Beach. Two years later, she's at a hair salon. Guess where her attitude is now when I call her? Hey, Mr. Greg. Hey, Mr. Greg. She ain't that, she ain't that, that, as they say, that mean looking black girl anymore. Because she was, she was, she was looking at her situation where she was. When I'm growing in my growing up in my family, when I'm having my amputation, sleeping in the Heidelberg chamber, I wasn't concentrating on where I was. I was concentrating on where I was going. I was concentrating on my future. And but she couldn't see that because her environment. Everyone was telling her, no, you're going to work at Walmart because you make $14 an hour, and that's what you're going to do until you die. That's why she was so angry. So once I convinced her, hey, Mr. Greg, how you doing? This and this and this, this. Oh, and I forgot to tell you this, Gigi. She's the manager of the hair salon now. And now she's asking me, Mr. Greg, do you think I can become an owner? You know what I did? I hung up on her. I hung up on her. She called me back. I hung up again. Her husband, because she got married, her husband calls her, Greg, why do you keep why do you keep hanging up on my wife? I said, let me talk to her. I said, what a stupid question to ask me. Girl, what went on when I first met you in Myrtle Beach, right? What what happened? You think I wanted you to become a hairstylist? Do you think I wanted you to become a manager? I said, no, those were only the steps that you had to take. I said, just like my teacher saw more than me and just instead of me just graduating high school, I saw more something in you that you were going to not be a hairstylist, not be a manager, but you could become an owner. I said, didn't I tell you that there's nothing that you cannot do? She said, yes, you did, Greg. I said, then go do it. Go become that, right? So now she's working on opening her own hair salon. Now look at that. Look at that. Now, if I was selfish, right? If I, and that's why I said true leaders build other leaders. What would, I, what would most people do when they met that girl? Give me my DVD. I'm on my way to my condo. But I saw something, this girl, because I've saw her a million times before. And when you see someone that angry, you're making $14 an hour and no education, you know there's something deep down inside there. So I saw myself and her, and that's why I took the time. Do I take my time on everyone? No, I can't do that. But I took the time on her, and it worked out very well. And that's why I tell people when I help them like that. It is your job now to reach out to someone in your life and help them just like I've helped you, to encourage them, to make an impact on them. And I truly believe we are all one person away from changing our life. Amen. Very uplifting. Greg, thank you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Now, where can the audience find you? Uh, please, I'm trying to build my audience on Instagram to 10,000. I'm a little over 6,000 now. So if I want to go to Instagram, at Greg Inspires, at Greg Inspires. It's also my website, greginspires.com. So if anyone wants to follow me on uh, Instagram at Greg Inspires, if they're, if they're on Clubhouse, if they have an iPhone, or now Android, they can follow me at uh, Greg Inspires also, and on Twitter, Greg Inspires. But my main source is Instagram at Greg Inspires, and I'd, I'd be happy if everyone could give me a follow and tell their friends. And look out for my podcast, Dream, Grind, Hustle, because I do not believe success has keys I believe success has a combination. And my combination goes like this. If there's anything in life that you want, practically anything, all you have to do is dream, grind, and hustle. Because, baby, I believe each and every one of us are too big to dream small. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Greg at his Instagram, at Greg Inspires. Again, that's at Greg Inspires. Go and give him a follow. And also make sure to check him out at his website. That's greginspires.com. And, Greg, thank you again for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You have a great day. Thank you. I honor you, girl. Have a great day. You too.